I'm just going to take a few minutes, but I'm going to talk to you, and can you guess which story in the Bible I'm going to talk to you from? What? The boat. That's right. So the story we're on today, he's on today, is the boat. And it's in all three Gospels, but the boat story I'm going to tell is from the, the book of Mark, his account of it. They all saw things happening in a little bit different order, and, and Matthew and Luke are a little bit more vague about kind of the order of things around it. Mark's a little bit more specific. Uh, it's in his account where Jesus actually speaks peace, be still, to the, uh, to the waters. But we've already had kind of uh, a little bit of introduction to it, so let me just kind of step into the story, all right? Jesus has been teaching all, all day, okay, according to Mark's story. It was on the occasion when he was speaking about the parable of the farmer sowing seed. And let me just stop there because I took two weeks on that parable to emphasize that we are in a season where we need to hear the message of the kingdom at a far deeper level within our hearts than we've ever heard it before. Nothing wrong with past seasons, but we need to hear it in our hearts deeper than ever before. And we're in a season when our focus, our allegiance, our loyalty has to Jesus Christ as our King and our Lord is going to need to go to a far deeper level. And let me just stop. I wasn't sure if I was going to have time, but I, I think I have a, a little bit here. So let me read. This was sent out. Probably many of you have already read it and whatnot. But I think it's important for us to, to read it together as a body. And this comes from Mike Bickle, and this is a sense of a change of seasons that's happening. And in fact, for them, they completely reorganized the conference that they usually have, taking kind of down the main speakers and making Jesus the main thing. Beloved, we stand at the crossroads of history. I urge you to prayerfully read the entire contents of this letter. This is coming from Mike Bickle. As I'm gripped with a rare urgency in my spirit, opportunities for revival and spiritual breakthrough exist at almost incredible levels alongside of toxic distractions and some soul-numbing passivity. Wow. Opportunities for revival and spiritual breakthrough exist at almost in, incomprehensible levels alongside toxic distractions and soul-numbing passivity. Cultural delay is dragging our young people into gutters of oppression and perversion. War on the saints is escalating as nations heave in the throes of crises, birth pangs, and political correctness. Even so, I am filled with hope. If we live, lean into Jesus on His terms, revival could come more swiftly than a raging, wind-swept grass fire at the height of summer. These are truly historic days. However, to be properly positioned, we must take a hard look in the mirror. 
Too much of our inspirational, charismatic rhetoric has become both anemic and insufficient relative to the coming storm. Charismatic conferences have been wonderful and useful for many years, but now risk missing the point entirely if they are not deeply attuned to the whispering voice of the Holy Spirit. When the cloud and fire disrupt camp to move us into new territory, we must follow. I include our own annual gathering one thing in this assessment. Times and seasons change. If we discern the Spirit is leading this, we are compelled to obey, even if it requires disruption. This is why we are announcing very late critical course correction. We are intentionally scrapping the plans as usual. I'm convinced that we can stand on the precipice of a, that, that we stand on the precipice of a new era in prayer, prophetic, and missions movement. I want to say boldly but tenderly, our house is on fire. I mean our nation, the church, society itself. I am not okay with this, and I, am, I, and I certainly do not speak it in a critical or a gloating tone. As a shepherd accountable to God, I feel burdened to speak the truth I perceive. So let me be even more plain. For years I have said, trouble is coming. I now feel that I must say it differently. Trouble is here. This means that the days and years ahead will be of a different caliber of difficulty and complexity than anything that we've known in the past. The new normal will not look like the heyday of the 80s and 90s. It will be more challenging than people expect. But the kingdom opportunities are far beyond what we imagine. Our leadership team is so gripped by this reality that we're literally starting over. With only three months to go, honestly, this is terrible for marketing. We are reformatting one thing around a simple clarion call to the body of Christ. A divine reset is coming. One facet of our corporate reset is that we will not highlight the roster of speakers and worship teams this year. In the past, we have enthusiastically shared the schedule of our four-day gathering, and I'm so grateful for the many excellent friends, teachers, and worship leaders who have brought their anointing and the deep heart for God to our conference. I need to be very clear on this. Nobody has done anything wrong. Yet incrementally, I feel we have missed the mark by leaning more on brilliant marquees than on the man with the burning eyes. This year we are deliberately returning to the mystery of what if? What if God interrupted our plans? What if the Holy Spirit took over? What if we lavished our affection and attention on Him above all other concerns? What if we became consumed with the one thing all over again? We're going to plan around this supreme goal and take our chances. 
Rather than exalt human personalities and celebrity voices, we're deliberately recentering around the consuming reality of Jesus. His agenda for planet Earth. And His ownership of those four days in December. His ownership of a whole lot more than that. If we want everything that God would give to the human spirit in this hour of history, a short-term conference buzz can no longer suffice. So for us, the one thing 2018 will not be a Christian festival designed to razzle-dazzle you. Rather, we're setting aside four days for a sacred assembly to account, encounter Him in new depth. We stand on earth. And we aspire to join angels around His throne. So they're speaking specifically regarding the One Thing Conference and the changes that they're made explaining it, but behind that is a, a solemn sense okay, of a shift that's happening and the need for us to be aware of it, to recognize that there is a, a coming storm that we're going into, and yet in the midst of that there is an unprecedented opportunity for harvest and revival and an, un, an, an unprecedented opportunity for the church to rise up in the power of the Holy Spirit and experience walking in the kingdom authority and power as they have never done before. This is the hour that we live in. But I want to talk to you about the storm. So appreciated uh, Lillian grabbing a hold of the the story of the storm, the disciples being taken into it. And I just want us to, with, you all know the story, so we're just going to jump into it. These are seasoned fishermen. They're in a boat that they have sailed out into the water to catch fish for years. They know what they're doing. But it seems that at the end of a full day of teaching, Jesus was tired. The crowd was pressing the shore. They made a decision, as it were a last-minute decision, that they weren't going to go to the shore and get themselves ready. They were just going to launch right off from where they were. Jesus had been teaching from the boat just offshore. So they made a decision, we're going to launch out. Jesus is, is tired. It's been a full day. We're just going to launch out and we're going to cross the sea. Hey, the the Sea of Galilee is, is, is not big. How many have seen the Sea of Galilee? So I haven't. So you, you know it better than me. But from my understanding and reading, it's not big. You can actually see from shore to shore across it. It's only about 8 miles wide and 12, uh, 12 miles long. And it's surrounded by the hills of Galilee and the Golan uh, Mountains. You can see all the way around it. It's about uh, 200 feet deep at its, at, at its deepest um, and, and the beauty is that it's surrounded by the mountains, but it's also the danger because what can happen is the cold wind can sweep down over the mountains, especially from the east. And when it hits the warm waters of Galilee, it comes down on it. The exchange that happened can stir up a storm, a very violent storm, faster than you can, you can blink. 
and it can be very, very fierce. And these fishermen were well aware of that. And they would plan, and they would watch the signs of the weathers. But today, they had just launched out because Jesus wanted to cross the sea. And he was tired, and so Jesus went into the back of the boat, and he laid down, found a cushion, laid down on it, and he fell asleep. He was tired. These fishermen, they're crossing the sea. Not all of them had been fishermen, but enough of them that they knew what they were doing. And so they're crossing the sea, and then all of a sudden, this wind sweeps down, and the storm just comes up so quickly. And they had had their storms before, but this storm was beyond. And so even these seasoned fishermen are finding that fear is rising up inside of them. They are doing everything that they can to keep that boat afloat, but they are absolutely at their wit's end. And so in the midst of their fear, they go back and they wake up Jesus, Jesus, And Mark's gospel is one of the reasons why I'm here. Because don't you care that we are perishing? How can you be sleeping in the middle of this? Don't you care? And Jesus wakes up. He stands up. And he rebukes the wind and the waves. And these, these disciples who a moment before had been surrounded by the, the noise and the turmoil and, and the crashing of the waves against the boat and the surge of fear that was rising up inside of them. Okay, all of that emotion and all of that sound and all of that movement that is happening as their boat is being threatened to, to capsize and, and it's all around them in a moment. It's absolutely still. And into the place where fear had been raging. Because there's nothing, it's just silent. It's deafening. It's absolutely deafening. And into the place where fear had been raging came a sense of awe and dread at what manner of man this was who could rise and speak to the powers of nature itself. Oh, they understood the power of nature. They understood that if you were ever in that place, the power of nature was wild and untamable. The power of nature was unforgiving. And yet this man spoke to the power of nature itself. And he said, Peace, be still. And everything was still. What manner of man is this? Now Jesus has come announcing the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He's been teaching about that kingdom. But he has also been discipling these men to understand the nature of the kingdom and how you live in it. And so what he did 
was he allowed these men to be brought out into their element where their understanding and their expertise, their ability to be aware, to control when they go out and when they come in, out in their element, but also into the place where their secret fears existed. We all have secret fears. We all have those. I remember the story of when those other fishermen were out on the waters. We visited their wives and families. We know what happens if you ever get caught there. We know. Whenever they're caught out in the storm, they're using all their skills and abilities to bring them through, but there is a hidden fear. Hey, whatever happens. But Jesus understands this, that if they are going to serve the kingdom and go into the storm that Mike Bickle is just talking about, in the place of your secret fear, you have to know his lordship. You have to know his authority and power. It does no good to try and bury your fear and run from it. You have to face it. And that place in your heart that has bowed to that fear must now know he is Lord over the storm. And so he loves you too much He loves you and me too much to allow that area of our heart to go untouched and unvisited. So he will allow circumstances to happen that causes that fear to come up to the surface so that in that place, when all hell is raging, you get to see his power and authority over the very thing that you feared. You see, because you can give lip service to the king You can pledge your allegiance to the kingdom, but what you fear, you serve. And in that day, a godly fear of his power and his authority came flooding into the place. So let me just just read a vision that I had. I'll just give it to you. Uh, I was in a boat. I actually have to owe this to, to Mary because Mary had a an Emmanuel session where she was in a boat and the next morning I was in prayer and I ended up in her boat and then we went from there. So I was in a boat, I was out on the ocean of life, rowing towards a destiny that seemed so far beyond my vision. I was growing weary and discouraged so Jesus had me lay down in the boat, much like with you. And when I laid down in the boat, instead of stressing about where we were going and how far, I started to look in the heavens. My vision was now filled with the heavens. It was a clear night, and all I could see was the stars, and they gave me a sense of connection. They gave me a sense of direction. But suddenly, from that vision, I was laying down with Jesus in this boat that we've just been talking about. We were in the midst of the storm, and I could sense the movement of the fishermen, and I could sense the fear that was going on in the boat, and I could sense the waves that were lashing against the boat, and I could feel the anxiousness and the tension, and I, I felt the fear of the storm, and, and yet Jesus wanted me to stay lying down with him. Just laying down with him. And I found myself straining to get up. We've got to do something. So Jesus drew a blanket over my head, and he wanted to shut out all the noise and the commotion, and he wanted me to focus only on him. And then he spoke to me, and he said, Bob, 
I was not asleep in the boat. I was resting in my Father's purpose. Bob, as long as you are in your Father's purpose, you do not need to fear. It does not mean that you will not have to face the storms of life. You will. It simply means that you are secure as long as you are in your Father's purpose. And then he told me that when he stood and rebuked the winds and the waves, he did it out of the authority of knowing that he was in his Father's purpose. And I had the sense from him that he did not need to rebuke the winds and waves for himself. He did it for the disciples. And when he rose up and he rebuked the wind and the waves, they are just like clay. They're ready for any impression. It's just like, (sighs) but he helped them to understand that the reason why that fear could possess them was because their faith was so small. Their faith was so small. So I want to read you a couple of scriptures. Psalms 34, 19, and 20. It says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He keeps all his bones. Not one of them is broken. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He keeps all his bones. Not one of them is broken. What's that all about? What's he talking about? So John 19 says this. This is after Jesus' crucifixion. 31. Since it was the the day of preparation and so that the bodies would not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for the Sabbath was a high day, the Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken and they might be taken down. Understand they're dead. All three of them are dead. But they wanted to make sure that they were dead so that their legs might be broken so that the asphyxiation would be final and that they could be taken away. And so the soldiers came and they broke the legs of the first and the other who had been crucified with him. So he, it, it seems like they weren't absolutely sure. They, so they broke theirs. But when they came to Jesus and they saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Okay? He's already dead. But they didn't break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced the, the side with a spear. And at once there came out blood and water. And he who saw it has borne witness, and his testimony is true, and he knows that he's telling the truth, so that you may believe. For these things took place that the Scripture might be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. Understand, Jesus was dead. He had no control over this situation. But God, who by his predetermined will, had assigned Jesus the task of going to the cross, God was watching over the body of His Son. God was in control. And not one bone in His body was broken according so that the Scriptures might be fulfilled. And again, another Scripture that says, they will look on Him whom they had pierced. And then in John chapter 16, verse 33, Jesus is explaining to His disciples that he's going away. He's going to be crucified. He tried to explain this to them before. 
But he says to, to them in John 16.33, I have said these things to you so that in me you may have peace. In me. In me you may have peace. In this world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Jesus was about ready to go into his own storm. His father had determined that this was a storm that he had to go through. In the, in the garden he had cried out, If it's possible, take this cup from me, but nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. He was about ready to go into, into his own storm. What he wants his disciples to know is, I want you to watch me. I'm going to go through my storm. I am going to face a storm like no one has ever faced before. I'm going to go through the wrath and I'm going to go through the anger and I'm going to go through the suffering and I'm going to go through the death. I'm going to go through the grave. I'm going to go through this. I am going to surrender myself to the will of my Heavenly Father. I'm going through it. But I want you to watch because I am going to rise again from it. I want you to watch because my Father is going to have control over the whole pathway of me going through this storm. And I want you to understand in the same way that I am entrusting my life to my Father going through this storm, you can entrust your life to me as your Lord. I will bring you through every storm. I will be with you. I will be Lord over the situation. I will be Lord over the storm. I'm not always going to stand up and rebuke the wind and the waves so that your circumstances are at peace, but I want you to know you can have peace in me. And I want you to know that I am Lord in the deepest place of your fears. And some of you have been going through circumstances that have been knocking on the doorway of the deepest place of your fears. And this is a place where you are going to have to surrender your trust and your allegiance to Him. This is what Jesus said to me. I'm on this Scripture. If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sits at the right hand of God. So you've been raised to new life. You have been raised with Christ. This is where you are seated. Somebody said, if you want to, come sit with me. Sit with me. Seated in heavenly places. And then he said, set your affections on things above, not on things of the earth. And what Jesus said to me was this, Bob... You can never place your affections where your trust is not anchored. Wherever your trust is anchored, that is where your affections will be. That is what you want to protect. That is what you want to preserve. That is what you want to maintain because that is really where your trust and your security lies. And if your trust and your security does not lie in me and in my Lordship and that I reign over every aspect of your life, you cannot give to me your affections. So I must bring you to a place where the fears in you are exposed and they are surrendered. Because my gift to you through that process will be an unshakable faith. No matter what it is that you face. Because I love you. Let me read to you one other story. I know it's past your bedtime. But 
Hallelujah. You guys were flowing with the Spirit. There's a cost to that. (laughs) Oh, I felt good saying that. You're flowing with the Spirit. There's a cost to it. Because if I'm supposed to flow with the Spirit too, we've got to finish this. Acts 27. Paul has been arrested. He's being transported by the armed guard to Rome to stand before Caesar. They embark on a ship traveling across the coast of Asia, putting in at different ports and then transferring to another ship in Alexandria. The wind was against them. The traveling was slow and difficult. Paul had a revelation that if they kept pushing forward, it was going to end badly with injury and with loss. But the centurion didn't listen to him. So he was stuck. They were on the ship. At first the weather seemed to be cooperating, but then it began to turn nasty. And the ship couldn't land. It, it, could, it, it, it couldn't handle the wind. So it, it, it hid behind an island. And they, they put straps around the hold, uh, a hull to keep holding it together. And they got rid of the gear. And they, and, and, but the storm was, was too violent. And they, they, they were completely lost hope. We're not going to survive, guys. They were paralyzed by fear and they completely lost their appetite. And for 14 days they didn't eat a thing. And you know what that's like to be so overcome and paralyzed by fear that you just can't eat. You, you, you've lost appetite. You've lost hope. You are consumed by the fears that are coming against your mind. And they were being driven into the cliffs and they, they kept measuring the depths of the water and it kept getting shallower and they knew it was only a matter of time. And Paul, he wakes up and he says, one morning and he says to them, you should have listened to me the first time. I told you so. I told you so. This is one time I think you can say I told you so. But let's actually turn to that story because I like, I like the way it says. Acts 27, I'm going to read it to you. It says, and when, um, in verse 27, And when the fourteenth night had come, and they were being driven across the Adriatic Sea, about midnight the sailors suspected that they were nearing land, and so they took a sounding, and they found twenty fathoms. And a little further they took a sounding again, and it was only fifteen fathoms. And fearing that we might run on the rocks, they let down four anchors from the stern, and they prayed for the day to come. And as the sailors were seeking to escape from the ship and lowered the the ship's boat into the sea under pretense of laying out anchors, Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless the men stay on the ship, you cannot be saved. And then the soldiers cut away the ropes. Now, why did that all happen? Well, let me read the paragraph before. It says, since they had been without food for a long time, Paul stood up to them. And he said, man, you should have listened to me. And not set sail from Crete and incurred this injury and loss. Yet now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For this very night there stood before me an angel of God, to whom I belong and to whom I serve. I want you to hear that. An angel of God, to whom I belong and to whom I serve. This man understood that he was in the center of God's purpose. And while they were fearing, he was before the face of God. And as he was before the face of God, God sent a messenger to him, an angel, to assure him, the ship is going to be destroyed, but everyone on the ship is going to be saved. 
And he says, I can tell you assuredly, an angel of God has visited me. God, who I belong to and who I serve. And he said to me, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar. Oh, you got to understand, guys. He wasn't going on vacation. He was going to prison. He was going to stand before Caesar. His life was going to be at risk. But it was a commission of God that he should speak before Caesar himself and speak the message of the gospel of the kingdom. He was on assignment. And because he was on assignment, he understood that in the purpose of God, God who he belonged to and God who he served, the storm had no power and authority over him. No power and no authority. The ship would be destroyed. Okay? Guys, you need to eat. Because you're going to need your strength. Because we're going to go through something here. What a crazy God we serve. Like, He doesn't preserve the ship. He could have preserved the ship. He doesn't preserve the ship. He could have saved them a lot of trouble. He didn't save them a lot of trouble. He could have stopped the storm from happening in the first place. He didn't stop the storm from happening in the first place. But he was absolutely in control. The ship will be destroyed. But the God to whom I belong and to whom I serve says not one person will die. You didn't listen to me the first time, but listen to me this time. If those sailors get off this ship, all bets are off. You better believe the centurion listened to him. They cut away those lifeboats and everybody stayed on the ship because everybody's life is in the hands of the Lord. Guys, that's living at a different level. That is living at a different level. And God is bringing His people. The message of the kingdom is coming. Okay? The focus on His Lordship. The depth of hearing this message about the kingdom. And the depth of giving our loyalty, our allegiance, and our trust to the King. It's rising. And there is a fearless people who are going to rise out of the midst of this. I'm not telling you it's going to be pretty. But I'm telling you it's going to be glorious. And the grace of God is going to take us there. We cannot make it on our own. But He knows how to bring to our fears to the surface. And I want you to know, we are going to see some amazing, fearsome demonstrations of the power of God so that the, the fear of God will rest in the very place where the fears of our lives, the hidden fears, have hidden and had mastery over us. The fear of the Lord is going to come to rest inside of us and there is going to be a rise up of people who are going to be strong and do exploits. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's stand together. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Release your grace. Hallelujah. Lord Jesus, hallelujah. You know what it takes. You have what it takes. And you give us what it takes. You know what it takes because you faced it and you conquered every fear. You know what it takes and you have what it takes because you rose triumphant from the grave. You know what it takes. You have what it takes. 
And you give us what it takes. Because of your grace, we receive time after time after time after time again. And today, Lord, let there be an opening of the hearts of your people to receive your grace, to believe you that, God, you can lift us up and conquer every fear. Your love can come in and drive out every fear. Hallelujah. And we can be secure. Secure in you. So I commit each person, hallelujah, hallelujah, to your love and your grace upon their lives that today there would rise up in them a capacity to see you and to hear you and to know that you are with them and to know that you are in them, hallelujah, and that God, your people, would begin to rise victorious, not running from their fears, not hiding from their fears, not avoiding their fears, but being able to face them and see that you are Lord. In the name of Jesus, I pray.